For more than a decade, homeowners who installed solar panels on their homes have received subsidies from utilities, as well as a drastically reduced electric bill. Now that more than 1 million homes have solar panels, utilities are beginning to worry if these discounts go too far. While there's consensus that solar energy is needed for a diverse green grid, this current experiment is under more scrutiny. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Josh Ramsey-Smith, you cover the environment for the Union-Tribune. And recently, you've been diving into some of the controversy behind solar power in California. This seems like a simple problem. Why is there controversy over it? Well, the controversy is over how we should get our solar power. Should we get it from uh, large solar arrays in the desert and other remote locations, or should we be focusing on generating it on rooftops and parking lots and places in the urban area? So what's the problem here? Why is one better than the other? Well, that's the controversy, right? Which one is better? And it depends on who you ask. Uh, the utilities and uh, many experts actually are very skeptical of rooftop solar um, because they say that the uh, utility scale, so-called utility scale arrays are just much more cost effective and that if we start generating too much energy from rooftop solar, it can really drive up the cost of energy. And recently we passed a milestone with that rooftop solar, right? Oh yeah, right. A million solar roofs. uh, Governor's Jerry Brown and Arnold Schwarzenegger came out to celebrate that on Thursday, um, far exceeded anybody's expectations when that was first um, put into place in 2006 with um, all the rebates and incentives. Um, So now we have uh, close to around 8,000 megawatts of solar being generated on rooftops across California. So people are very uh, proud of that. So what exactly turned the tide against rooftop solar? Because from a consumer's point of view, it sounds like a great deal. If you have a home... It is a great deal. Yeah. Is that the problem? It's too good of a deal? Uh, Yeah, that's what the utilities would say. That it's too good of a deal for the people that have it. And as a result, the people that don't have it, their bills are going up. And it's kind of complicated to explain exactly why. We can dive into that if you want to. But the basic... Um, premise is that because of all of the incentives and the way that net metering is structured, this mm-hmm. this is how uh, people with rooftop solar get credited for the energy they produce. Because of that, that the costs for everyone else are going up, and the utilities actually have dollar figure amounts. SDG&E says a typical residential customer without solar panels now pays two hundred dollars a year more because of the net metering program. Yeah, I mean, if you're a homeowner, this makes sense. But at some point, the utility has to make some money for the infrastructure that it creates. So that makes sense that that tension is there. So what can be done to make this more equitable? So, right, like maybe we should just dive into it really quickly. Um, Basically, you pay a bill for Mm -hmm. the power that you use, but in that bill are all kinds of other charges which are associated with the legacy costs of building out this massive energy grid, Mm -hmm. right? Building transmission lines, we may here in San Diego remember Sunrise Power Link. Um, 
And so all of those costs, the utility and many experts say, are not uh, being paid by the folks who have rooftop solar. So the California Public Utilities Commission, which regulates the investor-owned utilities, um, designs or sets the uh, parameters for the net metering program. And back in 2016, they overhauled that, made it slightly less um, alluring for homeowners to put solar on their house, although it's still, everyone agrees, from all sides of the debate, everyone agrees it's a good deal to put solar on your roof right mm-hmm. now. Um, and the question is, when they revisit this net metering program in 2016, how are they going to tweak it? Are they going to make it so that maybe it's a little less advantageous to put solar on your roof um, and to ease some of what they call the cost shifting mm-hmm. onto other residents? And that was actually the net metering proceeding at the PUC was supposed to start this year. Um, and now what I'm hearing is it's probably going to kick off in summer 2020, it will definitely be contentious, and there will be people on all sides of the debate weighing in. And whatever the PUC finally decides will determine how good of a deal it is for homeowners with solar and what that cost shifting looks like. Yeah, perhaps the most surprising thing to me is just how this deal is such a good deal that it functionally is like a regressive bill in which if you're an apartment dweller, you have no means of getting this bonus and people have people with means are those who have homes. So in a sense, it's kind of like a reverse wealth tax of your energy bill. And that's what the utilities will say. They say this is for the upper middle class and the wealthy who can afford it and everyone else. And gets the short end of the the deal here, the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, is there a push to have more of these massive solar farms, like in the desert, things like that, to kind of balance out how much solar is produced? Because there's clearly, you know, consensus of we need to make our grid as green as possible. Mm-hmm. So, isn't that still on the table, or are they going for other sources? Uh, no, we're still building big solar arrays out mm-hmm. in the desert, right? Um, the Utilities have met that are like uh, kind of ahead of the obligations that the state has put on them for producing renewable energy. So no one's lagging behind of the three big investor owned utilities. Um, so there's no like real big scramble for more solar mm-hmm. in the desert, but it's definitely something that is, you know, they're continuing to pursue. The question really is, you know, what is the long term? prognosis here. Like, mm-hmm. what, what should we do long term? And the advocates for rooftop solar say, if we continue to build out all this infrastructure, um, especially with the new uh, solar roof, uh, the, the solar roof mandate on new home construction, mm-hmm. um, which should make the solar installation cheaper, that in the long term, this means that the utilities don't have to build out these long transmission lines into the middle of nowhere. Which cause wildfire. Which cause wildfire, uh, which also are the main reason for rate increases. Mm -hmm. And they say, and the advocates say, well, the utilities, they don't really care about the customer bills going up. What they care about is preserving their growth model, which has been uh, largely based on beefing up their utility uh, utility infrastructure and then charging people more for that. And, you know, this this model made a lot of sense, right? Like for the last hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Like you think if it was like, you know, 1910 or something and there's communities 
in far-flung areas that need electricity, well, let's socialize the costs, right? Build out the grid, get them hooked up to electricity, bring them juice. We'll all pay a little bit more in our rates. Beautiful. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But now the folks are saying, we don't have to build out. Everyone has electricity. We're not trying to build out into these remote areas anymore. Um, really, we can generate this stuff close to home and save on the expansion costs. But now everyone's kind of arguing over the numbers. Like, is it mm -hmm. cheaper just to do it in the desert and build the transmission lines? Or is it cheaper to do it um, closer to home and avoid those costs, even though building rooftop solar um, just on like a kilowatt basis on a kilowatt hour basis is more expensive when you retrofit a home. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And what is SDG&E's kind of official position on this? Or are they just kind of mum on the subject? Well, their position, you know, is very similar to like the rest of the utilities, which is that they've been proposing like minimum fees clearly aimed at solar customers, trying to claw back the money that mm -hmm. has been shifted onto other users. Um, they want net metering to more closely re reflect the wholesale rate instead of the retail rate for electricity. They want these solar customers to pay more of their share of the grid costs. Um, and they seem to favor well they also say that they're not against rooftop solar you mm -hmm. know um we'll have to take their take them at their word on that um but other researchers uh namely severin borenstein over at uc berkeley is probably the most notable critic of roo rooftop solar has been for mm -hmm. last decade or so um says you know the utilities have to say that they like rooftop solar but it doesn't make any sense that's it, you know, and, and he's caught in a lot of flack from the rooftop solar industry and the advocates for that. But he says, you know, I've done the calculations and it just makes more sense to do large solar arrays out in the desert, even with the cost of transmission, you get this uh, economy of scale. Yeah, which no way a home can achieve. Right. But then there's this other question, long term, what are the other factors to building stuff out in the desert? You know, people might start to say, you know, we don't want solar arrays all over the Mojave, right? Mm -hmm. We and and maybe this plot of land that's where you're going to build the solar array that's like not in the city, not in the urban environment, but near the urban environment. Maybe we should use that land for something else that would be even more valuable, right? So the mm -hmm. compl the equation starts to get very complicated as you look farther out, and especially if the technology for solar can be like baked into the new home construction. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing, right? Because then you're saving on material costs. Yeah. You're not putting a solar panel on top of a roof, right? You're not retrofitting the home. Your roof is a solar panel, right? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden, like the equation changes and it does seem like even the Borensteins of the world will say, yeah, once you start baking it into new home construction and you get the economy of scale with the developers doing it with like a whole subdivision or something, well, then it starts to make more sense. So but at the same time, it's not like we're in a glut of home building right now. So, And you, if you look at the numbers, um, the, the percentage of rooftop solar that's going to come from new home construction is very small over the next uh, five to ten years. Because mm -hmm. it's at least here in San Diego, it seems like all of the focus from the electeds is to try to get more dense development, which, you know, dense development, less solar versus like a massive single family home. Right. Totally.
So the question is, and and the big the the reason that this all matters, right, is because right now California has some of the most the highest electrical rates in the country. Mm-hmm. I just checked; it's not like number one, but it's it's up there, yeah. right, in the top twenty or so. And it doesn't really hit us too hard in the pocketbook because we just don't use that much energy, right? Yeah, because like, you don't need to in Southern California comparatively. Yeah, exactly. Or really in all of California, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like we live in Alaska or something or Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. To fight California's whole fight against climate change is premised largely on getting all of this stuff like transportation, um, construction equipment, public tra- public buses, everything onto the electrical grid, right? Mm-hmm. So if you start asking everyone to like use electricity to heat their heat their water, right? Water mm-hmm. um, heaters, uh, all their appliances, and then their car on top of that, well, we might start using a lot of electricity all of a sudden. So that electricity has to be as cheap as possible in order to encourage adoption of things like uh, electric cars. Mm-hmm. So that really kind of puts a fine point on the fact that we need to get this solar as cheap as possible. Yeah, it makes sense. And this is just part of the whole California fighting climate change, you know, multifaceted, multi-layered attempt of stopping this global problem. And where we get our energy is kind of the the root, you know, thing that you have to make sure is green in order to achieve the rest of the whole green goal. Exactly. It has to be green and it has to be cheap. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, electrifying cars is going to be cost prohibitive. Yep. And then it would just be, you know, the ultra wealthy who have the electric cars. And then what's the point? Totally. Well, they'll have solar panels, so they'll be fine. (laughs) It'll even out. (laughs) All right. Joshua Mrs. Smith, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be here. In other environmental news, parts of 14th Street in East Village will be converted into parks. The plan will turn the street into urban parks from G to Market Street, and it's called the 14th Street Promenade. It's the first of what's planned for downtown, as the Downtown San Diego Mobility Plans calls for changes to several downtown thoroughfares. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.